you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Good morning. Let's open up in prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So when I was in college, I uh, served as an intern in the youth group of the church I grew up in. And one of those summers, I had uh, the honor to co-lead a mission trip um, with a a woman who became a dear friend and one of my mentors. Um, We had a great time. It was was a lot of fun. Um, It was a week-long high school mission trip, and while there are some critiques of short-term mission trips, I thought this one was done very well. I had fun thinking back on this trip because it would have been a COVID nightmare. There was 40 of us packed into essentially a Sunday school room, uh, three-tier bunk beds, didn't have room for our things. It was, it was interesting. Um, there's also only two working showers, so there was a shower schedule because there was not enough time in the day for us to all get a shower in or enough hot water. Um, but I loved this mis- mission trip because it was very educational and teaching us the ways that we can live missionally in our, in our daily lives back at home in our own communities. Um, In the morning time through lunch, we would do something different each day. In the afternoon, we would go to the local Boys and Girls Club to give the leaders there some respite um, by entertaining the kids and um, getting to know them. We learned how important relationship is um, when you're doing mission work, Um, and we got to apply that when we got back home by getting involved in something in our community as a youth group. And one thing, uh, another thing that we did, This doesn't really tie into the sermon, but I think it's really cool, (laughs) was we learned how to write to our congressmen and women. Um, At that that time, uh, the free and reduced lunch program needed renewal, and so we learned how to write to them and learned that we could. And it was so cool to see youth who don't get to vote be a part of real change and good things in our country. Uh, We learned a couple other ways to get involved uh, in the in the community at home, but one day I really want to focus on this morning, and it does tie into my sermon. <laughs> um, this, the morning started out with us um, talking, having a talk with the youth about how we talk to people who are different than us. We were each given $2 and sent to an area with a group, um, and we were instructed to figure out a way to share lunch um, with people who are homeless. So our group decided to combine our $2, and we had $12, and we found this really cool urban Walmart. It was like four stories with escalators. We're used to like widespread Walmarts. Um, but we bought sandwich bread, peanut butter and jelly, pretzels, napkins, cups, and jugs of water. I think we stole some spreading utensils from breakfast that morning. <laughs> um, and fun fact, they sell grocery bags there, and we did not have enough for the 20-cent grocery bags, so we had to carry all of that. And we went to Union Station, where all the trains come together at DC, and we found a group of men sitting outside the station. We approached them and asked them if they would like to eat with us, and they they were friendly and said sure. 
And as we started to make the sandwiches, uh, one, of the, one of the men there was a little skeptical and asked us, why are you doing this? Does it, does it just make yourself feel better that you're feeding a homeless person? And one of the students in our group profoundly responded, I could see why you would think that, but no, we just wanted to get to know you and food helps that not be so awkward. I swear a tear welled up in this man's eye, and, and mine too, <laughs> and something fell over him, and he, he opened up, he started telling jokes, telling us about his life, and this was such a beautiful moment. Did we help his situation much? No, we did not. But, but was, was he treated with the dignity of a human being made in the image of God in that moment? Yes. We approach these men as humans that want connection just as much as we do, and that's what this lunch was. And towards the end, he told us how many people walk past him every day and don't um, act as if he and his friends don't exist, don't look his way. And since that, even if I don't have something to give someone who's homeless, I at least try to say hi and acknowledge that they are there. As we were wrapping up, I didn't catch the denomination, but there were some Christians dressed to the nines, setting up tables to hand out tracts and brochures for their church. And I thought the juxtaposition of us dressed up in our mission trip clothes, not bathed due to the shower schedule, um, compared to the, you know, the Christians dressed up all nice, was very interesting. Uh, I'm not saying that their efforts were useless or our efforts were useless. Uh, there was definitely a crowd that they might have met. But they, these were two different presentations of the gospel. We might not have you know, gone over the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, or the gift of the Holy Spirit, or quoted scripture like a brochure would, but I do believe that we showed the love of God to our neighbors in ways that don't always come naturally. And as we've been in 1 Corinthians with Pastor Chad, we've seen the depths of the church at Corinth's brokenness. The pride, the everything goes mentality, the unimaginable sexual sin, the abuse of power, and what I got from our scriptures today is that Paul is weary, he's tired, he knows this peace and transformation that can come from knowing the love and grace of God, and he desperately wants this to be experienced at this church that he cares deeply for. He knows these people, and he wants what's best for them. He wants to bring them the gospel no matter what the sacrifice is. He's not in it for the money. He's not in it for himself. He's in it because his relationship with God is so important to him that he has to share it. And with the freedom he found in the Gospels, he took the Gospel everywhere, in every way imaginable. As a church, to what extent are we called to do that? How do we meet people where they are already? The church often wants to bring you know, more people through the doors or onto our live stream. Um, but how are we investing in the broader community and meeting people how they are, not dressed in our church clothes? So turning to the passage, it's very clear that Paul's authority is being questioned left and right. He is the leader of the church. And I want you guys to take a minute to reflect on a time that you've been in leadership. Uh, maybe you're high up in your company, um, leading your family. Uh, maybe you're the soccer coach on your kid's team. I want you to think about being the leader, making those decisions, um, and trying to keep everyone happy. This can be difficult. <laughs> um, as, you know, as a soccer coach, you might make some parents mad sometimes, or you might make employees mad. Um, but something that I really look up to in, in Paul is that he's not worried about people's approval or people's happiness. 
He's worried about the gospel. And I hope to have that confidence that even if someone in our community is upset with me, that I have shown you Christ in some way, that I have, I have stayed true to the gospel. That is my goal. Just as a company executive wants what's best for the company and its employees, just as a coach wants what's best for the team and the players, I care deeply for all of you and want what's best for the body of Christ, for Andover, and for each individual that's a part of our community. But what's righteous and what's best for our community might not always be pleasing to everyone. Now, if you've gotten the chance to know me, you know that I get pretty nervous about preaching. I'm very honest about that, especially the preparation. I want so badly to hear from God so I can share Jesus with you with the boldness that Paul does. Not the watered-down, people-pleasing gospel, but the smack you in the face, the, like Gabe said, what the heck, this is so awesome gospel, the stop you in your tracks and change your life gospel, because it does. It changes your life. It's not self-help or how to make your life better. That's the, that's the gospel of Corinth. I want the gospel of um, the God who is consistently meeting humanity no matter how much we fail, or consistently sacrificing um, so we can experience him, him in even the smallest ways. The gospel is bigger and better than the things that bring us comfort um, or distraction in this life. Things like Netflix, food, alcohol, the news, social media, our retirement fund. The gospel far surpasses these things and fulfills us much deeper. Now, I found myself a little uncomfortable as we've gone through 1 Corinthians. Maybe you have too. I've realized how much I rely on my own comfort, comforts in this world. If you've been uncomfortable, I plead with you to sit in it, to digest it, to have a conversation with someone or with me and Chad. Trust me, it's the best part of ministry to have those kind of conversations. Uncomfortable sermons might make you feel some type of way towards whoever is preaching, but I believe that's the Holy Spirit uh, stirring and convicting. And if you ever find yourself too comfortable in your seat, please let me and Chad know, because there could be a problem there. <laughs> and while people were challenging Paul and his abilities, um, while they were wondering whether he had the right to advise them or to even spread the gospel, he shows that he's way more concerned with the action of love. He says, that's what it's all for. I'm not taking your money. I'm not requiring anything back from you. I am just offering you Christ. And I want to continue to offer this um, to everyone I come across. And if, this, if you have a problem with this, we've got much deeper issues to deal with. We might want to start from scratch with this church. And as we move to the latter half of our passage today, I'd like to reread it and remind us what's going on, because it's, it's big stuff, and it can I think it can really challenge us in how we live our lives as Christians. Although I'm free from all people, I make myself a slave to all people to recruit more of them. I act like a Jew to the Jews so I can recruit Jews. I act like I'm under the law to those under the law so I can recruit those who are under the law, though I myself am not under the law. I act like I'm outside the law to those who are outside the law, so I can recruit those who are outside the law, though I'm not outside the law of God, but rather under the law of Christ. I act weak to the weak so I can recruit the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I could save some by all possible means. All the things I do are for the sake of the, of the gospel so I can be a partner with it. So Paul is so extreme when it comes to sharing the gospel and becoming a partner in, in it. He's all in. 
He's willing to become all things to all people. I do not think that uh, Paul would stand outside a ball game with a huge sign um, telling college students that they're going to hell. I think he would be in the game screaming for whatever team um, with the people around him, buying them pretzels, talking about life during halftime. I don't think Paul would quietly hand out brochures and tracts. I think he'd be asking people to dinner or coffee and to answer questions they have about the faith. I think he'd be in dirty clothes having lunch with people who are homeless and unsure about him. I think he'd be sitting on church councils and leadership teams and challenging the devout Christians, but he'd also be taking the, the new visitor out to lunch. I think he'd hang out on the party scene, and he'd hang out in nursing homes, he'd be at marches against injustices, and he would definitely be hanging out with people that church people raise an eyebrow to sometimes, sex workers, gang members, the works. He modeled his ministry after Jesus, and how often did we hear of Jesus hunkering down in the temple? He was out with the people, spreading his healing, his love, his message, that God loves us so much that he was willing to take on this human experience and to know suffering like we all do. And as we hear about Paul's ministry becoming all things to all people, we must remember that he was always centered around Christ. His relationship with God always came first, um, and he was, when he was out and, and about, he um, did not contribute to the hurting and the simple and the darkness. He, he just was there. And this concept made me think of one of my favorite books by Shane Claiborne, and I think uh, it's the, original, the Irresistible Revolution, and I think it really captures the heart of Paul in wanting to be in the thick of it with people um, but not contribute to its darkness. It says, Christianity can be built around isolating ourselves from evildoers and sinners, creating a community of religious piety and moral purity. That's the Christianity I grew up with. Christianity can also be built around joining with broken sinners and evildoers of the world, crying out to God, groaning for grace. That's the Christianity I have fallen in love with. And that quote consistently gives me chills. Um, The church isolating itself and judging evildoers is what I thought the church was growing up. And frankly, it's what the world around us thinks that we are. That I have to keep myself good and pure so that God loves me and that I go to heaven. But it's not that. We all have stories um, and and things in our lives that we aren't proud of. And if we ever reach a point where we we aren't groaning for God's grace and crying out to him in the midst of the hurt and brokenness in this world, we might be becoming complacent. We might be too far away from the weak and the marginalized and the poor in this world. We might even be too far away from the people within this very community. Um, we all have struggles. I struggle, Pastor Chad struggles, Janelle struggles, Jeremiah struggles, and it's okay if you do too. Um, and I, I invite you guys to be honest about that with this community, in your covenant group, in your small group, in your Sunday school, wherever your safe place is in this community. Be honest about those things. And if we believe what Jesus says, to become greatest, we should become the least. What does that look like in your life? How do we reach people in this world outside of the church. And as we come to the table, I ask you to also reflect on how Jesus did these things and how he became the least and how he meets us where we are and we can bring that gospel to the world.